Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we are on the final episode of Season 3 of the Catholic Buzz. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Hello. And guess what? what? Matt Van Milligan is back in <laughs> studio today. Matt, oh. we missed you last week and the last two weeks. Yeah, I missed you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. welcome back. Uh, and uh, we had uh, Brian Sullivan on. We were yeah. talking about charisms of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It was beautiful, but it wasn't the same without Matt. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think we dumbed down the speech a lot. That's, uh, that's what happened. Is you know. yes. we don't have the intelligence of Matt uh, for sure. Uh, we've gone through a whole third season of the Catholic Buzz podcast, and so it's been a pleasure to do it uh, with the both of you here. Uh, but over the past season that we've uh, been podcasting, we have had a number of questions come to us that uh, mm-hmm. we've always kind of pushed to the side a little bit. Uh, but today, on our final episode of season three, we're going to get to those questions. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. these questions have been uh, sent to us, uh, asked of us, presented to us, uh, whatever it might be. And so... Uh, speed round. I know. And I was thinking about that. We haven't had a speed round. Not season three, I don't think. season three. So we're let's, overdue. Let's do it speed yeah. round style. Yeah. Right? Perfect. So Josh has a list of uh, questions, questions that have uh, questions haven't been answered uh, by us. And, you know, even though we are kind of taking a break for the summer months, people can still send us questions that ask us at thecatholicbuzz.com. And we can get to those uh, next season. But here, what are the rules here for our speed round? We're gonna take uh, two, three minutes. No, take limit. about three minutes. Try to try to do it on a three-minute timeline. And we're gonna get past actually the timing off to to our producer Dave <laughs> in the background, and uh, he's gonna tell us kind of give us the three-minute signal. And if if I don't recognize it, you guys can see him better than I can. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we have a time limit because we never respect. Well- <laughs> It's we more so that we can have as many questions as possible. So we know if we have to wrap up. Because otherwise, I think these can turn into uh, like episode-long questions. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Dave will uh, you know, wave his hand there, make loud, <laughs> big gestures, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if we want to respect the rules today. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. I got a first question. Let's see. Okay. Uh, first question. If we're waiting on God's arrival, then why wouldn't he reveal himself more obviously in everyday life? This question comes to us from a uh, class at St. Mary's College uh, uh, High School in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And uh, they uh, uh, listen to our podcast and they've sent this question and we kind of had it on the back burner, not for too long, but I know it was uh, sent to us by then. So why doesn't God reveal himself more obvious is is, uh, the question. And, uh, you know, you guys have uh, your own answers, but the, one of the first things that I would say is, uh, I think the first part of that question, if you uh, yeah, read it, it again, again, is if we are awaiting... If we're waiting on God's arrival, yeah. then why wouldn't he reveal himself more obviously in everyday life? Yeah, so we are in a period of time when we are, like, we're on this pilgrimage of life, right? So we either come face-to-face with Jesus at the end of our life, right, at the end of our time here on earth... Uh, but we also are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. So we're in that time. Are we going to see Jesus because of our death here on this earth, or are we going to see Jesus uh, because of his second coming will come during this time? This is the kind of the period of time that we're in, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's what he, they mean by waiting for Jesus or waiting for God yep. mm-hmm. uh, to come. Second arrival, yeah, second coming. So, so does God manifest himself in obvious ways? Well, I, I I think God very much manifests himself in very obvious ways and, and maybe not so obvious ways, uh, if we're not looking for him, hmm. I was. Gonna, that's actually was going to be my answer. That's perfect because that was exactly what I was thinking. Was are you listening? 
Mm. Are you watching? Are you looking for him? Now, if you're looking for him to appear to you like in flesh in front of you, th- that doesn't happen other than the Eucharist, right? And so, and that's a whole mystery on it to itself. But um, so you're not going to see him appear in, you know, Thomas, put your hands through my hands, mm-hmm. uh, through your, the holes in my hands and stuff. But if you're looking for him in little ways, I mean, I can tell you miracles have happened in my life just in things like where there's a point where we were desperate for money. We were like, we were so far in debt because I was on disability, some other things that were going on. And I needed to pay this one particular check. And it was like $1,500 roughly. Okay. And the, we were praying for it. And then all of a sudden, like we, I got on my knees and I remember just surrendering to God, just saying, okay, God, I need this there's no way out of this. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to claim bankruptcy. Like I don't, we're at the end of our ropes and everything we were doing, we're trying to surrender to God. And I like, I got off from there like, okay, there's nothing else I can do. The next day I got a check in the mail for 1500. I can't remember the exact amount, but it was like, if it was 1500, if $1,500 that I needed, it was $1,501. Wow. And that and that t- like that to me was a little sign that God, but, but I was praying and I was asking God and I was really looking for Him, not not for Him, just to, to surrendering and asking Him. And He, there's ton for me. There's tons of little miracles like that where God has completely revealed Him His love for me and His. Like, the check that I got was from some tax thing from the government. Like I never applied to it. I didn't know this money was coming. It was some far off tax thing from three years ago that was just reassessed and I should have gotten this amount of money. And like, it's a miracle to me. So like, those are little things that happen, but you have to be looking for it. You have to be communicating. I I really like how the question is, is like, it's it's a great question because like, and and like, this is, this is the, the popular objection or the popular atheist objection of like, it was like, okay, if God exists, why, why isn't he just like make himself obvious, like right in front of him? But that if we're waiting for God, yeah. and it's like, it's not just Jesus, like zooming out on like the whole kind of um, span of salvation history, it's like, we've always been waiting for God. We've always been, and, and there have been periods where God has become like more directly manifest, more like present, like, um, and it's it's not that God is more or less present to us, it's that the revelation is is given to us by degrees or is given to us but reaching its fullness in the incarnation and then we are in that we're in that age of waiting we're, we're between the incarnation and the second coming and jesus has given us a means of being present to us mm-hmm. daily if we want weekly in the mass like yeah. that we have you know that experience of the incarnation in the, the celebration of the eucharist so yeah. Yeah, it, and it is like it, it it requires the eyes of faith to see that and yeah. looking at that in the context of salvation history. But yeah, it, it, it does kind of, um, it's, it's a really honest question. It's yeah. like, what, it why sense. isn't God more present to me? It's like, well, because he wants you to see with the eyes up. of faith. Yeah, and if, I, if I may, yeah. I think what the question also points to is like, yes, there's a desire to see God, yeah. right? And I, I'm just what was on my heart a little bit was, you know, uh, Jesus in the gospel uh, a week or so ago was saying, you know, those uh, it was on the feast of Corpus Christi, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, I abide in them mm-hmm. and they abide in me. Yeah. Right. And I think when we're seeking, when we're desiring to see Jesus, if all of us are living our Christian vocation, you know, God is manifested through us. Yeah. God, like the Holy Spirit dwells 
within us, right? Mm-hmm. The, we, God is present with from the virtue of our baptism, our confirmation, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you guys both mentioned the Eucharist. I mean, yeah. Jesus is fully present in this. So there are places, you know, you want to see God. Let's <laughs> head yeah. over to the the church, church and see Him at. Uh, I was going to say, you want to, you want to, if you want to seek seek Him at adoration. Seriously, seek like if you if you're asking that question, seriously seek it. Approach Him in prayer in adoration, and you're going to find Him. That was just question one. I know. And, uh, yeah, we never listened to time. already fallen one. off his chair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Uh, Pope Francis has repeatedly condemned uh, proselytization. I'm curious why you would say he has a heart for evangelization. It seems the same thing to me. This was based on our charisms and talking to Brian. Um, and so and so there was a mention of how Pope Francis wants us to evangelize and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that was the question that was brought forward. So, so there was a there was a someone was doubting the fact that Pope Francis is calling on uh, evangelization because he has often condemned yeah proselytization proselytization now okay so and one of the responses we got here is it's kind of like Pope Benedict when Pope Benedict says we are not to impose the gospel but propose, propose the gospel mm-hmm. right and that's kind of what Pope Francis was he was using the he he's not the wordsmith that Pope Benedict was right yeah. we know this but uh, he's suggesting the same thing we're not supposed to proselytization uh proselyze the gospel we are supposed to what he said right after that we're supposed to witness model and accompany and invite Mm -hmm. and that's what we're supposed to do in our so for those people who don't know what proselytization is yes uh basic basically enforcing people to change religion right is that would that be a good summary like to force force religion yeah on people Uh, it's never if you look at the dark periods of the catholic church or christianity in in general the things that people always bring up against the church it's always been when we have forced religion down people's throats so if we look in like here in canada would be uh the residential schools would be it would be a stain in 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 an area you know what i mean by looking at um, the crusades that people bring up so often like forcing religion down people that's not how christ came christ didn't come with an army and force everybody to become christian he came and suffered and died on the cross. He gave up to the will of the people. And so it's about proposing the gospel, about showing them how to live the gospel, not about enforcing the gospel. And I, I also want to make a, a, a distinction, you know, because when people say, like, we're not supposed to proselytize, yeah. you know, they say, like, well, keep your mouth shut about, about your faith. No. That's yeah. not what no. we're saying here. Evangelization is to share yes. the gospel. Is is to propose the gospel. Is to is to tell people yeah. about Jesus. It's not about forcing people to come. But this idea that we're not supposed to proselytize doesn't yeah. mean that we're not supposed to speak about our faith. You know, like no, this no. idea that people have at home, like you know, at the dinner table, you don't talk about religion uh, or politics or religion. religion. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that 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 idea seeps into people's minds. That's not true. Uh, as as people of faith, like. If faith is one of the most, uh, if if we really love God, yeah. if we really mm-hmm. love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, then we want to tell people about it. Like you guys talk to me about your kids because you love them. Yeah, you know? exactly. You guys talk to me about your wives because you love them. Yeah, you know. And uh, you talk about your hobbies, your talents, those things you like because you love them. Well, if we really love God, we want to share that with other people, and we want to tell them from our experience too. It's not about forcing people. Uh, you know, there's a difference between like when you think about a hockey fan, hockey fan talking to you about hockey or relating everything back to hockey. There's a difference between that, which is what we're called to be. We're called to be Christians, fans of Christ, if you will, and and, and relate to that versus someone forcing you to sit down and watch a hockey show 
and then right game. like they're, they're a hockey yeah a hockey show sorry <laughs> a hockey game I, you know like that's yeah I'm a big fan uh, I, and I am uh, but uh, but sitting down to watch a hockey uh, uh, hockey game or a football match or you know like sitting them down to watch something and forcing them to yeah. you watch and no, cheer hey, hey, for your team exactly you're not you're not watching yeah. watch this what there's a difference yeah. there right where between someone just excited about it and living it and their whole everything revolves around it versus forcing them to sit down and watch a game with you at for you know whatever so and it comes down to a distinction between like what what we're actually proposing and what we're actually inviting people to be a part of it's not to you know be a card carrying member of this particular institution it's, you're inviting people into a relationship and like yeah, a relationship with, with god Christ. and like the, even even the fact like god is love um in order for love to be love love needs to be freely chosen yes. that like mm. it, if if it's forced upon you it's not actually love so uh, that idea that like you're you're inviting people into a relationship with God, into fellowship with the church, but it's like, but if that's choice. if that's forced or if that's you know, it's it's not yeah. it's not authentic or it's yeah. not representative of what we're actually proposing. Good. We're moving on okay, to the moving next on question. next one. Okay, are you supposed to stop a mass if a medical emergency takes place? <laughs> that's a great question. That's a great question uh, because uh, just uh, <laughs> not too long ago, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, well, I don't want to pat myself on the shoulder here, but, uh, you know, I, the altar server beside me, a little fainted during the reading of the gospel and, uh, mass, yeah. the show must go on. <laughs> the show must go on. Yeah. No, 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 no. I yeah. reached over and I caught him. Yeah, you caught him and caught, caught the candle too at the, the same time. caught the candle at the same time. It was impressive. It was very impressive. I was, uh, and the speed, and the speed of like everybody that was involved there taking, taking him off. He wasn't feeling like he, he was just low blood pressure or something, just not feeling well. Uh, his father came up, grabbed him, and then, and the other altar server just swarming and taking the place. Yeah, and as yeah, if yeah, it all worked within a me. minute, you didn't know that it happened. Yeah. Okay. And that's not why we got this question. No. It's just that's what came to my mind because yeah. it just happened. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. But okay. In the event of a medical emergency, and, and they do happen, you know, and I mean, think about this. Every day, people gather at the church for mass. There's yep. an assembly of people that gather, so there, you know, the the chances that something <laughs> happens is there, right? Yep. Especially on Sunday, you got just like at church or just yeah. at school something yeah, happens. Yeah, school nurse or something. Yeah. So, can a mass be stopped in the event of a medical emergency? Well, it's not. A mass shouldn't be stopped, okay? But there also has to be some tact. Yeah. Some, <laughs> you know, some human tact there, some pastoral tact, some loving tact there. Uh, because, you know, it doesn't mean that you just ignore what's happening. No. I think most parishioners uh, know there are, there's, in, 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 a, in, a per, in a parish, you always have a nurse or a doctor or uh, someone who knows what they're doing yeah. somewhere in the crowd. They usually jump into. Uh, yep. To help these situations, uh, you know, do we stop mass, tell everyone to go home? No, absolutely no, not. Yeah. You know, when, when you've gone to a certain point of the celebration of the Eucharist, like especially at the consecration, you can't just leave Jesus there on the altar and stop and go home. Like yeah. you have to complete yeah. uh, the mm -hmm. Eucharistic prayer. You have to complete the sacrifice of the mass. Uh, but to say that we're going to ignore what's happening here in a pew, yeah, you know, and and. Okay, on the other side, I will also say you don't have to make a huge show of it either. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, because, yeah, the best thing you could do is those people that are qualified, if you have a nurse and a doctor, yeah. a firefighter, like people who know first aid or handle emergencies on a regular basis, if they're there and handling the situation, then everybody else back off. And start praying because that's the best thing you can do. If you're standing around taking pictures or taking, you know, TikTok videos or whatever, else, like that's not <laughs> appropriate. Um, but 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 like but to stand there, like to try to be as helpful as you can, but then get out of the way, 
let the people that need to do the work and then pray because that's probably what the person needs more than you standing around. That's right. right? And and watching just because you're busy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the overreacting thing that I was talking about yeah. is, is more like I have been to an event where, you know, um, not not particularly a mass, yeah. but a medical emergency happens. And then that is the topic of the whole the rest, rest of the, the day, yeah, the rest yeah. of the theater show, or the rest of the movie, or the, the rest of like yeah. that's all people are talking about. That's all. Yeah. Like no, we we've dealt with this. We're praying for that person. Uh, the professionals are dealing with uh, this and medical we're emergency. Gonna we're going to yeah. continue with the celebration yeah. of the Eucharist. Just like if it happened, if that medical emergency happened outside of the mass, right? Like if someone if someone you knew in the parish and community mm-hmm. and everything else went to the hospital, <laughs> then we would remember them in our prayers, specifically around times of intentions and stuff, but not necessarily. May I add something? Yeah. Now, if a medical emergency happens to the priest. That's, oh, that's different. Yeah, yeah that's a different story. So if there is a priest celebrating, yeah. he is to take over the celebration of gotcha. mass, right? If there's no priest celebrating, uh, celebrate, con celebrating, I should say, uh, and the pre- the main celebrant has a medical emergency, well, that's, I mean, that's beyond your powers. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, the, can, the, can the deacon at the point after consecration take over? Like after the Eucharistic prayer is fully done? Let's say, mm-hmm. let's say the uh, priest is about to give communion and then something happens. Can, can The deacon can distribute the Distribute Eucharist. the Eucharist and then even give a final blessing? Can he give a final sure. blessing? Sure. Yeah. Cause, sure. Cause that's, and, but that's, I mean, that's, so priest for Eucharist consecration because that's only a priest that can do that. But then maybe a, right. maybe a deacon can step in yeah. if he needs to. Well, <laughs> I yeah. only at the very end yeah, yeah. and only in the event of an emergency. <laughs> Let's make that yeah. clear. Very clear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay. I, th- I think we've passed our time, but we made a good case for deacons there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. Next question. I think this is another student question. Why do parishes or parish priests make you feel like not going to church every week means that you're not practicing your faith? So I think okay. this, uh, if you're not going to church every week, it means you're not practicing your faith. Why do parish priests suggest this or parishes? Okay, well, you know, I, I would like to say, I would like to add some context because uh, as, a, <laughs> as, a, as a parish priest who knows my parishioners yeah. and knows, let's say, my students, if you're saying this is a student question, you know, I do, I, I'm... I, I do harp a little bit yeah, and say, sure. hey, how come okay. you weren't at Mass on Sunday or whatever it might yeah. be? But, you know, I don't take that for granted. I'm not going up to everyone. Like, I'm not going up to people I don't know and saying, and saying where have you been? But, you know, if there's a relationship established, you know, when, when our assembly meets, you miss people. Like, that's part of my yeah. question is, like, where have you been? You know, we <laughs> miss seeing people. But the question, that's not the question. It's, I guess what I'm saying is if a priest is harping on you, <laughs> It's not like necessarily. That, and you don't really know them. That priest should probably use a little more yeah. tact. <laughs> tact. <laughs> yeah. That word again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but so this is the the fundamental one of the one of the fundamental teachings of the church yeah. that Sunday mass is an obligation. Sunday mass is an obligation. Now, now, just so that we're clear, this is not in all Christian churches. This is a Catholic church teaching, right? Catholics are obligated yeah. to be at Sunday Mass. So you have to be. You have to be at Sunday Mass. With exception of? If you're very ill yeah. or any serious reason. Taking care of someone who's very ill, potentially. Right. Like a parent taking care of a kid that's sick. Or... But uh, Sunday is the Lord's Day, remember? The, yeah. the commandment to keep the Lord's Day holy. So it is a commandment to keep the Lord's Day holy. We gather in, uh, in an assembly of worship uh, and we receive the Eucharist. On the day that the Lord ra- uh, was was raised from the dead. 
Sunday, the Lord's Day, we come together and we receive the Eucharist. It's an obligation of Catholics. So some people might tell you that, ah, it's fine. You know, you don't have to go to church. That's not true. Yeah. That's not, not true. That's not the church's teaching. Uh, Catholics are obligated to be at Mass. So when someone says to you, just because I don't go every Sunday, how come they tell me I'm not practicing my faith? Because it, it is one of the fundamental uh, uh, requirements yeah. and of Catholics. And how much worse would it be if it were your priest who were the ones saying, oh, no, it's fine. You don't have to. That it's like, and, and you, you give those qualifications, like um, presupposing that that relationship and presupposing that right. understanding. That it's like, no, that, that's that's what you kind of should expect. It's like if you were a, um, like an, <laughs> a, an Olympic runner and, and you have a coach and your coach is like trying to make you be the best, you know, Olympic runner you can be. And you're like, and you keep missing practice. Yeah. And you're like, it means a lot more for your coach to say, hey, you should be practicing. Than, than for your little brother to be like, hey, why aren't you at practice? Like, practice? no, because there's that relationship. You're like, yeah. this person is invested in, in, in your performance. Yeah. Your priest is invested yeah. in, in your, your holiness, and you have that relationship. You have, again, you're not just browbeating for fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so those, uh, that, that is a, a requirement of, uh, of Catholics. And so if someone is saying you're not practicing your faith by not going to Mass on Sunday, it is, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, you, that doesn't mean that you are not practicing other aspects of your faith. You yeah. could be praying at home. You could be doing other, uh, whatever it might be, that, that the spiritual practices that might be uh, helpful for your relationship with Jesus. But if we're really growing in our relationship with Jesus, we would want to be at the celebration of the Eucharist because that is where Jesus is present. There's also, something, if that class wants to look up something called the precepts of the church. Okay. There are five precepts of the church. They are like the minimum that requirements of Christians Catholics. to be a Catholic. Okay. The minimum requirements. We don't have time to go into the all five. I think we've actually mentioned them on a previous episode here. Yeah. But look up the five precepts of the Catholic Church. And those five things are it is it is what minimally is required of you. Yeah. Uh, to be Catholic. Can I, I think is the episode called, I, can I really call myself Catholic yeah. or something along the line? So you can look that up. Okay. Uh, that's great. Um, next question. Okay. This is kind of on the flip side of it. Cause you kind of mentioned a little bit about it. what happens when a priest preaches contradictory things. So when you have two priests preaching different things, and I'm going to give you an example of that because this is something I, um, I have had a priest say to me at one time, well, you don't have to be at every Sunday mass. So if a priest was to say that, and now you're saying, no, you have to be at every Sunday Mass, what do we do as a Catholic? I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm hearing priests from two different priests, two different priests, authorities in the church, let's say, that are mm -hmm. giving me different things. How do I approach that as a Catholic? Or like even as a student, if I'm looking at it, how do I approach that uh, to find what's the truth? Because they're two different things, right? So yeah. we're talking about... Two, two different priests. Yeah, two different priests saying, saying contradictory two different things. things. Oh, things yeah. that contradict, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm using that as an example for that. Yeah, yeah. so like uh, uh, that's inter interesting too because you you want to you wanna say that the, the priest has some authority yeah, to, to say sure. it. So, but when you have two people representing that authority saying contradictory things, you want to investigate that a little more. You yeah. want to like really understand why that's the case. And like a lot of times it comes down to what, what kind of proposition it is. You're like the priest you know, disagree over who the best hockey team is. That's or that, different. You know, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that's different. But, like, but then you have kind of gradations of, you know, this priest thinks you shouldn't go to. Well, like, thankfully, we have the catechism. Thankfully, you know, uh, the church has, um, you know, other authoritative texts that let you measure the claims of one 
priest against another. Like, and, and, and that was one of the issues I had um, in my Protestant background. It was like, you have two pastors saying completely different things. It was like, there's no, there's, there's nothing standing outside of these pastors that I can measure these claims against. But thankfully, yeah. we, have, we have the deposit the of faith. Yeah. We have the catechism that we can, again, we can investigate it. We can try to understand what they mean, because it could be a difference of interpretation. It could be a difference, it, or it could be outright heresy, um, depending yeah. on the subject, depending on, you know, but again, you, um, you have the tools, or you, you should, um, that you can kind of address them and measure them. I think, I think it's important to remember that priests, as much as they are, like if they're living their vocation, they're praying every day and everything else, that there is that authority and yeah. that level of respect. Um, sometimes priests are just men, and so sometimes what comes out of their mouth, as much as they have the authority in the church and stuff, sometimes they're not right on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So understanding that in, in a case where they're completely contradictory, like you said, Matt, there's other aspects. So in the case of like, like in this case where I was told, well, you don't have to be at every mass. You know, this is you when I'm younger. Um, and... I can look up and you, like you said, the five precepts of the, of the, of the church, then I can look that up. I can look it up in a catechism and talks about what my obligations are mm-hmm. as a Catholic. And so now, now I'm realizing, Oh, okay. Father Daniele has, has, he's in line with the authority of the church here more. What that helps though, is also helps us then who we're looking to for those answers. Right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, and, and here's another example, two teachers saying two different things about the Catholic church. If you're in, if you're in a Catholic school and you have two different teachers preaching two different things, you, you're going to, you're going to look up and maybe ask your priest or ask another, ask another authority figure. Mm-hmm. But then you go back to the catechism and you find that one teacher is preaching more closely to that catechism, more what to the church mm-hmm. teaches. Then uh, I think it was St. Paul, you test everything and then hold fast what is true. Mm-hmm. So when you have that one teacher or that one priest that seems to be always in line with what the church is teaching, you can start to have more faith and more trust in that priest. Okay. Um, and, and not that you have less faith in the other priest, but you might question it a little bit more, especially if, if, if the more that one priest is right and in line mm-hmm. with the church, I'm going to trust the more kind of like the more that one priest is wrong and a little bit off. Yeah. I'm going to trust them a little bit less, you know, and yeah. again, not, not to, they, they can still be wrong and still give us the Eucharist. They're still wrong and they can still give us, um, the consecration, but also, um, confession, right? Like yeah. it doesn't matter the state of the priest in the sacraments themselves. The priest doesn't, you know, but because they're ordained, but, uh, yeah. We're going to go double time on this question yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, I haven't said anything yet. And yeah. this, this question really gets me boiled up because, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it is a, it's a shame that uh, when this happens, I, I just think about the position we leave people in. Yeah. Right. Now, there's a move. There's a movement in, in people's hearts to want to please. Yes. Like that's just, I think, maybe innate in everyone. And so sometimes priests say something to people so as not to upset them or to please them or to... To offend, not to offend. Not to offend or to make them feel welcome. But there's, in in my eyes, there's nothing more welcoming than teaching people what the truth of Jesus Christ is. Like, how how can that not be welcoming? I I mean, the the truth speaks to our heart. God wants to be part of our life. So when you have two priests who are saying contradictory things... To me, it's it's a scandal. Yeah, because some people are saying things that are really contrary to the gospel. Like in your example yeah. that you that you yeah. raised, you know, you don't have to come to mass all. You don't have to come to mass every week. Yeah, I mean, so that priest has now uh, used his authority as a priest yeah. to teach someone something that's 
contradictory to the catechism of the Catholic Church, contradictory to the Bible. Yep. You know, like the Ten Commandments yep. uh, of of being uh, of keeping the Lord's Day holy. holy. I, I just I don't know what the motivation in that in that priest's heart is. Now I'm I'm reminded of the scripture that Jesus says, whoever uh, mm. whoever does not follow my commandments and teaches others to do the same will be held liable. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, as a priest, I know we deal with delicate issues, situations. Yeah. Situations. I know that. And I'm not saying to throw the Bible and throw the catechism at every situation that walks in, but it's, it's a, a priest has a commitment to journey with someone. Yeah. And even though situations are tough, we journey with someone, mm-hmm. you know, we journey with someone to help them see God's beauty in his teaching. We don't just say, do whatever you want. And for a while, though, if I may say, uh, that was kind of the understanding of Catholics, is to do whatever you want. And look where that has led people. People have a distorted understanding of the Catholic faith. Catholic schools don't teach the Catholic faith anymore. Or, Or... Maybe they think they do, but they're not actually doing it. Uh, families, you know, there's children that are not even being baptized anymore. Uh, kids and grandkids of people don't go to church. Like, it doesn't work. What works is making sure we're people of integrity that teach the gospel. Like, if Jesus has said it, yeah. why wouldn't we share it? Are we embarrassed? Yeah. Do we, do we think that our mind... Our heart knows better yeah. than what Jesus has spoken. How arrogant! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, I told you I get boiled. No, no, but that's good. <laughs> I, I, um, I, you think about like if you're walking with somebody and your whole job is to bring them to the light, it's to let your candle shine. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not to hide it under the bushel. It's not to like that's that's the whole point. Like they're walking in darkness. Mm-hmm. It's you, it's not to walk with them in darkness. It's to bring light to the yeah. situation. Listen, right? you're a professor. Yeah. Okay. And if I was one of your students yeah. and I was doing horrible on my exams, my assignments, whatever, and you just kept trying not to offend me and you kept saying, great job, and you gave me an A+, plus. <laughs> great job, A+. Yeah, plus. And good. at the end of that degree... I fail you? And I, <laughs> yeah, you, you could fail me, but even if you pass me because you yeah. feel bad. Yeah. And then I go into the workforce oh, and, and I don't know a darn thing about anything. It's it, That's what we're setting up for people for because you go into real life and you're faced with real temptations, yeah. real difficulties, real social and moral dilemmas. And you don't have a moral and compass. Not you don't taught have, people yeah. what Jesus actually says. Yeah. And so I like what you've said yeah. about, uh, you know, we have other documents that can see who, which priest has said the right thing. Yeah. And you said something before uh, about know them by their fruits. Yes. Mm-hmm. Know them by their fruits. Yes. Are they leading people to grow in holiness? And if the answer is yes, holiness, yeah. not nice people, not kind-hearted people, <laughs> not are how they many YouTube likes people do they have? to grow in holiness? <laughs> if the answer is yes, I'd probably follow that priest. Yeah, that's a good call. All right. Okay. We got uh, one more question. Okay. One more. Time of silence during Mass. Okay. What are the times of silence during Mass for? Okay, uh, quickly, because we have this last question here, is uh, there's a couple of times when silence is required in the liturgy. Uh, like, number one, you know, when, when people are preparing their hearts for Mass, they should be quiet, Yeah. okay, uh, before Mass begins. But there should be times of silence during Mass as well. 
like after each reading, after the psalm, after the second reading, after the gospel, we're, we're trying to reflect in our heart what, what the word of God has spoken to us. How about at the consecration when we say, this is my body, which is given up for you. How about we have a moment there of silence to adore the Lord? Yeah. You know, like many priests don't leave that moment uh, or uh, with the chalice. Um, when we receive the Eucharist, to have a moment of silence to pray in our heart. Silence is key, and it's often the one that's forgotten the most in our liturgy. And I'm not saying people have to be, like, you know, we have a pretty loud church. Kids are crying and yeah. screaming and, and whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to allow for moments of silence to let the Word of God and the Eucharist, the sacrament, uh, you know, to let God speak to us, to let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts. I think, I think too, the, the other thing that kind of comes up there is, is, is those are the times a lot of times that we can invest in the mass and so this is the part where we're supposed to like sometimes you're just saying words you know sometimes you go to mass and you feel like you're just repeating what's you're supposed to say but those are the times that we're supposed to reflect and internalize what just happened a lot of times right exactly. so during the readings after the reading after the psalm after the gospel after the and then after the eucharist after the consecration being able to invest and and, and like consume what just happened in front of you the miracle that just happened as well as, and like internalize it and then and then when you receive communion and then at the end you know like just those times of silence are where you can take the faith that we are proclaiming as a communion together and make it personal, you know? And I think each parish and their liturgy team should work together on that to work to say, like, where where can we better use silence in our liturgy to, to, to let the Holy Spirit speak uh, to our parishioners who are joining for Mass? Okay, that was our last question, uh, so we fit it in there. And that's the last episode of our Season 3. So uh, when will we be back uh, for joining. We'll uh, be back in the fall. We're going to take a little summer break. Uh, we've got some plans this summer. Uh, Matt, you're going to be, uh, <laughs> what are you going to be doing this summer? Um, gardening. Gardening. Yeah. <laughs> gardening. gardening. Hey, yeah. yeah. Do a little bit of traveling. We'll, a uh, bit of traveling. we have a, our family retreat. Uh, oh yes. Our Catholic family yeah. retreat hosted by our parish. It's, uh, the August long weekend. Yeah. Uh, you can check it out online. It's a Catholic family retreat, uh, at Sacred Way Farms in Powassan, Ontario. Oh. It's a great it's a great weekend. It's a great weekend. A lot of times we hold the campfire uh, Friday night chat around the campfire yeah, with the parents. Yeah, we've hosted it before. But yeah. we won't, Father Danielli and I won't be there to uh, host that. So Matt will be hosting it by himself yeah. this time. Yeah. It's all you. <laughs> Just all like Matt. we held the last two episodes without, without you. Without you? Yeah. Now you got to hold it. Because the two Payback. of us yeah. are going yeah. to World Youth Day. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, we just want to feel like youth, I guess. Uh, we want to feel younger. I'm, I'm a little worried younger. about going to the World Youth Day now as a 40-year-old instead of uh, a 20-year-old. <laughs> Sleeping on the floor in the middle of a field with millions of people doesn't yeah. quite appeal to me the same way. The same way as when we <laughs> when were When I was 20. Yeah, youth. It was yeah. cool, yeah. But we'll be there. So uh, we'll be praying for all of our those who watch or listen to our podcast this summer. So please uh, keep us in your prayers as well. So this is the end of season three. It's been a great time uh, going over many different Catholic topics. Uh, behind the scenes, we got uh, Dave Dunkley and Kevin Yarosh, who are our producers. Uh, and, uh, of course, the three of us who, uh, you know, just have fun up here. And uh, hopefully <laughs> we've allowed people to really encounter the Holy Spirit to deepen their faith. And I hope that's been something. So uh, we're going to be praying for all of you. So please pray for all of us. If you want to drop us a line this summer, drop us a line at askusatthecatholicbuzz.com. So enjoy your summer. You'll be in our prayers. For Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milgen, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next season on The Catholic Buzz. Mm-hmm.